This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. I love everything she puts out. Her content is amazing. Her advocacy is all that, children. <laughs> Let me just tell you, when we see this is an action defending the rights of the people. It is inspiring. It is a beautiful thing to see. Let me go ahead and give her a proper introduction. She is Leah Goodrich, nationally renowned movement lawyer, thought leader, and writer with over a decade of experience in housing rights and racial justice. Currently, she's the managing attorney for housing policy at Mobilization for Justice, where she leads a team of attorneys who provide tenants with legal representation in the eviction court proceedings. Some of Leah's favorable court decisions have been published in the New York Law Journal. She's also authored an amicus brief in a case which challenged ableism in housing and which won at the New York State Court of Appeals. Y'all remember in New York, our highest courts are not called the Supreme Court. So, you know, that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, she's had a tremendous impact on housing policy and uh, she is really a thought leader when it comes to challenging issues of race as they show up in the workplace. Her most recent uh, PLI presentation focuses on her very influential article, Professionalism as a Racial Construct, which has been featured in Forbes, Teen Vogue, Day Magazine, and which was published in the UCLA Law Review. Another big deal. And she is here today to talk with us, not so much about uh, professionalism as a racial construct in the traditional sense, which she has outlined, but professionalism as a racial construct when it's the Black people at work <laughs> upholding the racism. <laughs> Leah Goodridge, it's always, a, you're laughing already. It's always a pleasure to have you. I know, we always put up. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for that great wealth. I really appreciate it. No, and I just like to tell people if you hear this chirping, that those, those, are, those are my birds. They like to join in too. <laughs> yes, Leah Goodrich has parakeets, which believe that they too are part of the construction. They, they too are a part of the conversation. <laughs> but it's, yeah, you know, so it was really interesting. I wrote, I'm on Twitter at Leah from Brooklyn. And I wrote a Twitter thread last year about um, basically literally called people playing in black women's faces in the workplace. And, you know, I was talking about white, white supremacy and I numbered, I, I noticed a number of quote tweets by black women saying, actually, my oppressor is another black woman, actually. And I was like, oh, oh, you know, um, and a bunch of people, you know, this is kind of a bunch of people have reached out to me. I get a lot of people reaching out to me. Um, to talk about issues that are going on in the workplace. And mind you, if you're about to do it, I don't respond to all of them. I do read a lot, but I, I don't have time to respond to each one. But this is sort of like a very secret issue almost, because when you work in a workplace that Black people are not the majority, it's almost embarrassing to bring up. You know, you don't want to bring up to management actually you know, my black worker and I are beefing basically. Um, and it's very much related to anti-blackness. So what can you do? You know, it's a very um, nuanced dynamic, I think to bring up. And so a lot of people deal with it in silence and navigate it. And so I wanted to amplify that conversation. Amplify it, you did. What was interesting is that when every, it seems like every time I read something that you write, I remember experiences that I've had that reflect that. And there was definitely a, a situation when I was in the legal community. Child, ignore them birds, they fine. There was definitely a situation. <laughs> 
Uh, and one of the workplaces where I was at, where uh, one of the partners, you know, and I got along with my colleagues and have a lot of issues, but there was definitely a black female partner who, for whatever reason, and I, I own that perhaps I did something. I don't know. I'm trying to be very generous here. She did not like my little behind. <laughs> she, and I don't know yeah. if it was because I came into the space kind of defying some demographics. Like I had big hair. I had a husband. I was, you know, I'm a light-skinned yeah, black girl. I was already, you know, so the, all those benefits and privileges were sort of packed in. And I'm sure that there was some sense of, you know, this older black woman who had never married, hadn't gotten an opportunity to sort of experience the things that I had. And then here I come just to be bopping along and excited to be here. And for whatever reason, she was one of my biggest stumbling blocks in this space. And I could yeah. never figure it out, Leah. Talk to us about what your discussion about this topic in a very public sense has revealed for you. Because, I, and you said something very important. If this had escalated into an issue that was HR notifiable, even if I were to go to HR and be like, so I'm feeling like there's some anti-Blackness here. And they were to ask me, well, from whom? Right. And I was like, right. the Black person. Right. Like, yeah, that doesn't work. Right. So, so let, me, let, me, let me just paint the picture. So I wrote this essay, Professionalism as a Racial Construct, and a number of people have labeled it as FUBU, you know, FUBU DEI, because they're like, you know, traditional DEI, so like racism 101. Um, and it very much is anti-racism training palatable to a white audience. So you're just stuck on like, you know, what is the difference between equality and equity? And like, any people of color live that experience. So that, that necessarily means that isn't for us, right? And so getting into the deeper issues means, what does it mean if I'm a black gay man and my supervisor is a black cisgender heterosexual man and he doesn't like me because of my identity and feels like black men shouldn't be gay? How, what is that experience like? Or if I'm trans, like what, what is that, you know, or colorism, you know, what if I'm at a company, I'm dark skin and I am, not promoted, but all the Black people who are promoted are light-skinned, right? That's another one. I think these, and, and then the people who uphold those issues um, and who fight to the death to protect that dynamic in that workplace are Black, right? So that's the conversation we're having. I want to give an example of how this plays out, right? And I'm also on LinkedIn in, in case you know, you were wondering where to find me. And I give a lot of these examples. But one is, for example, one example I gave is there's a, a Black woman in a workplace. Her name is Benita. This is all hypothetical. Her name is Benita. Um, a white woman emails her and copies other people. And in the in email chain, she denigrates Benita's experience, um, work experience. And so Benita responds and replies all and goes, you know, um, I don't appreciate the way you're speaking to me. Uh, black women's voices matter here. So what does that white woman do? Let's call her Anne, that's her name in the hypo. She goes to Mariah, another black woman, forwards the email and says, "Do wait a minute, do you think I'm racist? And Mariah goes, well, you know, I, look, I don't think you're racist. You know, I don't think, I think it's doing, you know, honestly, I think you could have worded it better, but I also think Benita was being over the top. I give that example because it's very nuanced and it's an example that a lot of us fall into. People are coming precise, people who are not black and white folks are coming precisely to get the opinion, to validate the behavior, right? Because honestly, in that situation, if Anne had so much of an issue, she would have just gone to Benita and go, oh my God, I, you know, let me talk it through. But when you go to someone else 
to basically ask, do you think this is racist? Understand if someone's asking you, do you think I was doing too much? Do you that, you know, ask them, why aren't you going to this person to talk it out? Why are you coming to me? Because when you provide this sort of validation, you're also part of crafting what is considered professional. And honestly, this is what I've been challenging. What's considered professional is for Benita to just go along with it, not say anything, not stick it for herself, go high, be, you know, this idea of what is considered polished, which basically means endure toxicity and racism and misogynoir, right? Um, so one example of how anti-Blackness between Black people plays out is a Black person playing the role of advisor to a non-Black person when that person comes to them for advice about how they have treated another Black person and them trying to equalize it when there is nothing equal about it. You disrespected her. It is, there is no like both sides. You disrespected her, she responded. There is no like, oh, she was doing too much and you were, you know, just say you disrespected this person, but next time just, or, you know, you could just go to Benita and talk about it. Let's pause there for a minute, Leah, because you've unpacked a lot. I'm already seeing in the chat, somebody just said, oh my God, I had to just explain colorism to my boss. Like, so I'm seeing that this is definitely <laughs> resonating with people, but I want to pause yeah. here for a minute. Because there is this theory that I have, and I would love your your just your thoughts on this, that just because you are Black and you are living a Black experience does not mean you have the analytical framework to explain things like racism, how they show up. Experiencing a thing and being able to analyze that thing are not the same thing. So Anne, in this example, going to Mariah, this other Black person for validation or confirmation that she was not racist, number one, that presupposes that Anne's experience or that Mariah's experience as a Black person is enough to be able to right. dissect the nuances of what happened here. It also places a really unfair burden on Mariah to either tell right. her white boss, no, you was racist as hell. You was totally out of pocket because we have right. a feeling if Mariah were having drinks with you and I after that work day, she would have been like, girl, this white woman, and let me tell you what she did in this email of Tubanita. Right. But Anne in this well, position- and Not all of Mariah's, honey. Some of them love playing that role. Let's just let's right. just rip the Band-Aid off, honey. Yeah. Some of them love playing that little right. Steven and Django role. So, oh my God, I will get, I'm not gonna, you know, kiki with them because I want to get promoted. I want to be director. I want to be this. I want to get a raise. Yeah. My concern is, no, no, I just want to make sure we, we tease this out because there is a whole level of inappropriate behavior that is happening here. And at the heart of it, from your hypothetical, Benita isn't wrong. Benita is responding into something. She was publicly outed. She publicly right. responded. She stated what it was. Benita is correct, but our inability to center Black people, even in the midst of our own oppression, will often have other Black people who are in the workplace so concerned about their safety and, and, and ability to stay in that institution, even though they know what is happening and they know that they're likely next. But we will often, and I imagine this is a bit of uh, you know 2023 plantation politics, we will support those institutions over Bonita so that we don't end up being ostracized like Bonita. Exactly. Exactly. And what I was going to say is something that has always bugged me is a lot of folks who play that role often also want to have 
want to have it both ways. They want to have the comfort of being able to kiki with you, but still, you know, also playing that role to undermine you. So I think I'm just kind of like, no, if we're not friends, we're not friends, you know, but don't come to my office afterwards. But then you talking, you, you, you know, playing this sort of middleman approach, you know, interpreting me to like some e like no we're, we're just not cool you know um i don't like people reaping the benefits of a uh, safe space with me but also making that that space unsafe right and so a lot of people a lot of times this happens where again because this is this is i gave a nuanced one because i honestly feel like that happens a lot people fall into that trap of doing what mariah did but then there's some people who genuinely like to play that role because they feel like they are getting an in with some with a colleague who they feel like is more valuable in that workplace who is white right and so um i think it's helpful to understand those dynamics because sometimes the mariahs will also go to benita's afterwards hey come on, what's it's like, yeah, uh, no, you know what I mean? Like you out here, like saying all this and, and what happens afterwards is someone will take away from that. Oh, well, you know, she spoke to Mariah. Mariah said even she was doing too much. So, you know, I, you know, the, the way to handle it is to really just, you know, brush it off, you know, and there's not, there shouldn't be a focus on how to react to it. Right. There shouldn't be a focus on how to react to it. I, I want to give another example if that's okay. Please go right ahead. Um, okay. So another example, and this is what I talk about also in, in the article, is what I call selective offense. This is another big one. This is where black people get more angry and exact that anger at another black person for either a minor infraction or there's nothing that they did at all but they won't even give half as much energy to a white or non-black person in that workplace who is actually undermining them. I've had this, I feel like this is probably my biggest experience with anti-blackness from black people in the workplace, where it's like, I'll have someone who is busy, like when, if we're in a public meeting or something, they'll throw shade, they'll do that, they'll say something to humiliate me, embarrass me. I'm like, girl, your supervisor's right there and he called you a monkey the other day. How come you not spending all of that? Let me see this. You know, why are you worried about me? You know, like, or, or sometimes in these experiences, like I've said, so the, the black person will have done something, but it's a minor in fact, it's like, oh, I didn't say good morning to you the other day or, oh, you know, we got in a little spat, but then they will waste time be like, I'll never speak to you again. I'll do this. Meanwhile, you know, they have a, white superior who is not promoting them, never paid them well, um, is engaging in wage theft, and they're still kicking in with them. This is called selective offense. This is where you choose what you're going to be offended by and you go overboard. And I would say that the reason why a lot of Black folks do it is we become like a reservoir you know, you feel like, okay, I, 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 I was going to say, I can't put that energy into that person because they don't have power. But I honestly feel like a lot of it is I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, um, it's 2023, honey, you want to file lawsuits, but those shades, you can, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. So, you know, I don't want to. And so instead I'm going to transfer a lot of that, those negative feelings I have onto this other black person where I know that I will be able to get away with it. It reminds me there of the one accountability. 
to, to a lesser degree, it reminds me of the workplace version of how we will get overly offended at bad service from a black institution, but we will go to a white right. institution that don't want our black dollars like repeatedly. Right. And, like we'll be proud to force our money right. on them. We are going proudly, and so it there we are seeing how these concepts are reflected throughout uh, multiplicities of experiences. I'm wondering, Leah, is there a well? Actually, let me. I have two questions. Number one, I meant to ask you this before you even started talking. Do you have a hard out? Can I keep you over the break, or do you have to go? Um, I have a hard out at eleven. Okay, so then let's make this, this is going to have to be the next question because the next time we bring you back and the next time we bring you back, we're going to bring you back in studio. Because I feel like when we are in person, like we are going to vibe so well together. I yeah. love you. <laughs> what should, just a few minutes we have left, what should be the response? What should Bonita be doing differently? Uh, how should she show up in that way? What should the coworkers that Miss Ann is going to go around to get justification for? How should they be responding? Because I am I would never be Mariah in this situation. I might lose my job okay. if Ann were to come Okay. Um, Benita doesn't have to do anything differently than what she did. It's fine. I would document it, uh, like send an email to myself quickly and then watch conversations that she has with Mariah or anyone who lives close by and obviously in, but I would, um, you know, I wouldn't say keep to myself. I don't think it's good to isolate yourself, but just be cautious of the combinations because I want to say that a lot of times, um, black pain is entertainment for a lot of people, including some black people. So a lot of people frame a lot of this workplace drama and it's actually, it's not entertaining. Someone else going sure. through this is, is not, um, it's literal pain. It's trauma. You, you, a lot of people, um, have mental health issues from experiencing this every day in a workplace. And so someone framing it as like the, the gossip for the day, it's not funny. Um, so, I say that to say for Benita to watch you speak with, because there are a lot of people who like to come, oh, girl, I heard Mariah, I heard, I heard Anne, and just keep, oh yeah, really? And just keep to yourself because that amplifies it. Um, for Mariah, if, if when Anne comes to ask you this, I'm sorry, but I don't honestly feel comfortable um, validating or invalidating another black person's experience. I, I think should talk to Benita directly um, if you feel a certain way, and it's clear you're not sure how you feel, but I think you can clearly talk to her directly. Um, I personally feel like I wouldn't have liked that email to me, but but the point is Benita told you already that she didn't like it, so I think this is something you need to work out with her. And that way, she no, don't come to you next time. Um, go work it out with the person. Um, I, I think for Anne, I mean, and this is why I teach anti-race the way I do, too much of it is predicated on this sort of like innocence and knew what she was doing. There is no like, oh, she needs to go take a, she knew what she was doing. And she assessed that she likely would get away with it because- But, but how would she know, how would this white because woman she know knew, that she knew that Mariah was going to be there to back her? She knew that that workplace wasn't going to people were going to be like, oh my God, Bernita did all of that. Oh my gosh. She knew she's not going to get fired. She's not going to get suspended. She knew because a lot of workplaces are like this. She knew she made an assessment. So I think for Anne, what I would say to Anne is, okay, girl, but that has changed. A lot of you are getting fired and a lot of you are not getting hired again uh, because of stuff like this, because even if there isn't a formal complaint, guess what? You're still developing a reputation. It's 2023. People screenshot things. People send them all over. People put them on Reddit. People do all kinds of stuff. And so nothing is really secret. And so even if you may feel like you're not going to be held accountable, the millennial generation is all about holding people accountable. So um, you do need to change, right? Um, you do. 
I love the fact that there is consequence now that we can envision that may not have existed in the same way before, because you are right. Thank God for the millennials, the Zennials, the Gen Z who are like, completely about that life. They not not say nothing to you in that moment, but your screenshots are going to be all over TikTok, Instagram. You're going to have a hundred millions of people are going to now know what Miss Ann did in a way that may have never happened before. That in and of itself is its own consequence, but you are correct. Anne should be very clear that the first thing she needs to do after having engaged in this way with Benita is take stock of how she has contributed to a hostile environment. Figure out how you're going to apologize because Benita is deserving of an apology. And she deserves right. an apology with the same level of energy that you came at her and came for her neck. And Bonita, I so love that in this moment, the best thing she can do is keep doing what she's doing. Because oftentimes when you're Bonita, you're told you have to change. You need to accommodate. Right. But Benita, your, con your concept of this reality says that absolutely not. Bonita gets to show up as blackly right. as she wants every single day and be right on this particular point. And, and let me say that because I get a lot of people every time I say I get a lot of people who push back. No, no. You know, they do the what I like to call um, we've been taught so much this plantation to be like, oh, my God, no, no. You can't look people in the eye. You're going to get fired. You're going to never. never, 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 never. Listen, y'all, listen, I have a lot of black groups and spaces that I have created talking to black professionals. And I want to tell you something. There are so many people who have mental health crises or we're dealing with this every day. I want to tell you that it ends up costing us money and our health at the end of the day. And I want us to think about that. Dealing with this and trying to play unbothered and trying to, you know, be this sort of like, oh, I'm just going to ignore it or whatever, or I'm just going to continue letting it happen. Um, it, it has, it ends up having consequences for us as well. So, you know, there's some people who are like, you need to code switch, you need to, you know, just laugh it off. This is it. Yeah. I wrote this essay because I had tried to do that for 10 years. And guess what? I was in a therapist chair at the end of it. I was, well, not even at the end. Right. And it wasn't just me. And so it ends up having real bodily costs. And so you need to decide what's best for you. If you can't show up in a workplace and every time you step in, you have to be worried about, oh, so let's say Benita comes in to work the next day and Miss Ann plays, you know, she does, she acts like she doesn't see her. She doesn't say hello. Oh, good morning. Oh, she doesn't respond. She passes by. And it's another thing that, that happens, right? Oh, now I'm mad that you asserted yourself and your existence here. So now I'm going to pretend like I don't see you. I'm going to ignore. I'm going to like turn my body language away at the meeting. I'm yep. going to be like, yeah, all of that. All of that ends up providing a lot, uh, not providing, but causing a lot of pain, a lot of bodily harm. So I talk a lot about what the ands must do for themselves and what employers must do for Ann, but I also want to speak about for Black folks experiencing this. It's okay to speak out. Listen, a Black woman sued FedEx, $366 million won. Another mm -hmm. black woman sued Equinox, the same employment discrimination, $10 million. I mean, we're not playing. And all, you know, I'm speaking about black women, but for black people, period, we are not playing. Okay. So I think it's, it's important, right? It is. It really is. Leah, I appreciate you. You have an open seat at this microphone. I love your content. How you yeah. We have like 10 seconds left. How can people connect with you and, and follow you on all your socials? I'm on Leah Goodrich, last name spelled G-O-O-D-R-I-D-G-E on LinkedIn. That's where I post a lot of this stuff. I'm also on Twitter at Leah from Brooklyn, but I mostly post about having justice there. So if you want all the juicy workplace, you know, post, LinkedIn is where it's at.